Welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osband, here with my friend Chabruta and Gordon. Our DAP today, Masachet Kedubot, DAP Lamed Hey, page 35. Well, really interesting Gezei Shava. Now, we've talked about Gezei Shava before. The idea being that we take a word that appears in one verse, and we also find a word, the same word that appears in another verse, and we learn something about the word or the, or the Torah is trying to teach us in the second verse based on uh, something about the circumstance of the first verse, right? So it's essentially taking the word that we see twice and saying, well, if what's true about that word is it appears in that context has to be true as it appears in the second context. So the Gemara is in a discussion here about why the Torah would include uh, you know, uh, a list of those who also would be, uh, who would need lashes, okay? And so it says, Hechan Ribta Torah. Where did the Torah include all of those who are chayev in lashes? Amar Abaye, so Abaye says, Atya Rasha Rasha, Rabba Amar Atya Make Make. So Abaye says it is basically from this Gezerah Sheva of the word wicked, and here he's comparing the word wicked, Russia, as it appears in Bamidbar, chapter 35, verse 31, and the word wicked as it appears in Devarim, chapter 25, verse 2. Rabba says it's from this word makah, which means, you know, to, I don't know, they would say in English to smite, but like to hit somebody, right? And, um, okay, so then it says, Amarle Rapapa la Rabba. So Rapapa says to Rabba, hey, makah. So he says, okay. What maka are you referring to? In other words, the word maka actually appears in many psukim. And when you say that it's going to be a gzera shava of maka maka, like, well, which maka are you talking about? It could be a lot of different ones. So then he lists. So his first option is from a pasuk in Vayikra, chapter 24, verse 21 where it says somebody who uh, smites an animal shall pay for it. And if you, uh, if you kill a person, basically, right, then you shall die. And so he says it can't be that pasuk because this is talking about death, right? Like here, Makkah is talking about actually committing murder. And this wouldn't be a circumstance where somebody would actually get lashes, right? Ella hai Makkah. So maybe it's this pasuk. Makkah nefesh pe'ima menu. Nefesh tachat nefesh. Somebody who makes an animal, right, who hits an animal should pay for it, a life for a life. So this is another Pasuk in Vayikra in the same parak, chapter 24, but this is verse 18, whereas the other Pasuk that we quoted was verse 21. Usmichle, right, and next to it, right, is, now it quotes, this is the next Pasuk, uh, uh, Yud Tet, 19. Vishki Right. If a man blemishes somebody else, in other words, a man, you know, hits a person in a way that they cause some type of blemish. Right. He has done. So shall be done to him. So in other words, these verses, right, the ones in Vayikra in chapter 24, verses 18 and 19. Right. These are the are, are, are categories of people who if they're high up, they would get lashes. Right. And it compares those who get lashes to those who are obligated to pay money. 
And so what we would derive from here is that those who receive lashes, they're actually exempt from payment. Now, again, I'm not as much interested in our discussion about who's paying money, who gets lashes. That's like the bigger context of this whole argument. What I'm more interested in is this whole discussion that takes place about what psukim do we use when we learn a Gezeira Shava. And I think partially what's going on here is, is that I think Rava had a tradition that the Gezeira Shava that's used to learn this particular halacha about the fines and the lashes was a Gezeira Shava of Makeh Maket, but it may not have been completely clear through which psukim. In other words, he had the word, but which psukim may not have been as clear. So Rav Papa comes to him and says, you got to specify which psukim you're actually talking about here. So he works out and says, okay, it's got to be these psukim of Makamaka. So the Gemara raises a question about this and says, but this, right, where it says in the in the second verse, the one in Yotet, where it says, you know, places of blemish, right? It doesn't use the word Makeh, right? What is the word that it actually says there? It says, it's not using the word Makeh. So how can you use this for your Gezer Shava? So it says, Anan So it says, yeah, we're saying it's like meaning, it's like uh, we're using the Makeh of the animal verse to the Makeh in the later verse. So then the Gemara says, wait, but the second, when the second verse is written, it's written with somebody who injures another, right? And what happens there? When we talk about somebody injuring another person, right? They actually have to pay. It's not lashes. So what are you comparing here? You're not comparing lashes to lashes. You're comparing lashes to payment. So the Gemara's answer, if it's not a matter of sort of uh, of, of smiting, right, that causes sort of a damage equivalent to the value of a pruta. In other words, when we say that somebody causes damage by hitting another person, it has to have a monetary value, which would be the value of a pruta, right? In that case, he would pay and he wouldn't be, he wouldn't get lashes. So then you need to apply that to the case of somebody that does a maqah but it doesn't actually cause damages of a pruta. And in that case, you wouldn't pay a fine because it didn't have a monetary damage, the damage that you caused, but you would actually just get latches because you hit another person. So, so, so the Gemara says another difficulty here, right? Right. Ultimately sort of, right. Somebody who injures another and is, and, and, and gets lashes, right they're not really subject to payment because they must have done damage that's worse, less than a pruta. So the question here basically is, how can you have a principle here derived, right? That one who gets lashes does not, you know, doesn't pay because he wouldn't have gotten lashes anyways. So the Gemara basically says that these sort of sukim that are next to each other, lo Right. It's necessary. Right. You need these verses to be to be next to each other only in a situation where it's the same time that he struck him. He also tore his silk. In other words, what, what the 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 sin that he does here, the, the transgression that he does here is that he uh, 
is high of lashes for and has to pay damages, right? It, it's, it's, it's derived that he actually would not have to pay damages, right? He's patour from paying damages, even if he doesn't actually get lashes. Now, again, what the piece of here that I, I sort of just finished up the section here, but the piece that I'm interested in is actually this conversation that Rav Papa has with Rabba. And it's interesting, we don't see a response back from Rabba, right? So Abaye sort of just like explains what his Gezer Shava is. Rapapa raises this thing to Rava, and there's not a response back from Rava. And then the Gemara sort of even works through Rapapa's formulation of the Gezer Shaba, and it's not thrilled with it. It shows that there are certain holes with it. And I just thought this was a great discussion because I don't think we've seen one where like a Gezer Shaba in particular has been questioned the way that it, this is. Like usually we see Gezer Shaba, they quote the two Psukim, and the Gemara is sort of sort of moves on here. And here we have a discussion of Gezer Shavu, where first of all, which Psukim are used is really sort of tried to be discussed. It's not so clear which Psukim are being referred to. And even more so, the Gemara doesn't really love this Gezer Shavu. It really needs to sort of work through a variety of different objections that it can bring to sort of make this Gezer Shavu actually make sense, which I think is different than other Gezer Shavas that we've seen up until this point. I think that one of the things this illustrates pretty strongly is why there's this rule that you can't just go around making Gezer Shavas on your own. You know, that expression willy-nilly, right? That you could just, oh, I see two words and I'll make a Gezer Shava and learn something from that, right? That's not acceptable. It has to have a tradition. And I think that the, this case, this example of the Gezer Shava is a good demonstration of, of how, why that is, right? Because... Otherwise, you could just end up, I don't know, you could end up, you can link any two verses, right? Not, I'm exaggerating, not any two verses, but yeah, there's a lot I, of... I, I, no, you're totally right. You can link out of there. The other thing I want to point out here is, it's interesting that this is a discussion about Gezer Shava with Amurayim. Usually, Gezer Shava is a discussion of Tanayim. And, right, like most of the time when I see it, it's like two Tanayim, like they have a Mishnah, they're trying to explain the mission. There's usually a Tanaitic discussion because remember, Gezer Shav is one of the principles that, you know, like Rabbi Yishmael develops. It's a Tanaitic method to do Midrash Halacha. So to see it as a discussion between Amoraim is also not so common. Except for, again, that it's not a method in that way, right? Because you have to have a Masoah for it or it's not considered legitimate. Right. So, so I think here... we're seeing that there's like sort of a Masoah here, but they're not totally sure about the specifics of it and that's right, exactly. why there's more discussion around it okay now speaking of Amorayim what is interesting to me is that the Dav continues now onto Amabet and um, the same players meaning we've got Ravid Abai as you've just described and Rav Papa as you've talked about now we've got on Amabet there's again Rava and Abaye, but this time it's like the next the next level of questioning to Rava and Abai, so that Rabbi Chia comes to Rava and asks questions, and Rav Papa, who had been asking Rava, now asks Abai. So let's see what this is. But meaning, it's I would say elaboration on the details of not not on the Gzeres of itself, meaning not on the legitimacy of drawing this c- comparison. But what are the details? What are the the halachic implications of the fact that we now have this Gzeres of in hand? Amar le Rabbi Chia Rava the Latana Devei Chizkia the Amar. 
ממאי דבחור כתיב, ולקל אפלוגי דילבה בשבת כתיב. So the Gemara says as follows. Rabbi Chi goes to Rava with this question from a learning, a teaching from the town of the school of um, Chizkia, right? And he says as follows. The verse says, meaning one who hits, smites, whatever, right? One who hits uh, or strikes, I guess, is maybe the best compromise, uh, a person or strikes an animal. Now, that teaches us about, you know, the damage potentially done, the harm done to a person, to an animal. But the Gemara says, how do we know that we're talking about chol? How do we know that we're talking about a weekday? And that, we're, and that there's no dispute here with regard to what would happen if this, if this event, if this hitting took place on Shabbat. What happens if somebody injures an animal on Shabbat? That's not the discussion here. Everybody seems to think this is a case of chol. This is a case of weekday. Meaning, with, when you're talking about the animal itself, the damage isn't any different, right? If it's harmed on Tuesday or on Saturday, right? So the, the question is, why would the punishment be different? Which is an interesting question to begin with when we come to talk about Shabbat ever, right? Um, because obviously the timing of when you do something in terms of desecration of Shabbat matters. If it's not Shabbat, you're not desecrating Shabbat. But the point is that if you don't have um, a way to exempt the person from the payment, you know, the question is how do you exempt somebody from the payment that they would normally incur for the action of damaging the animal when, because of the fact that they've done this action on Shabbat, which, as we were discussing in previous days, is going to be, um, you know, the the one act that gives you two different sins, one of which is a death penalty sin, and one of which is monetary. So the my answer is, you should not think about this. You should not even, it should not enter your mind. Why? Because the verse in Vayikra is very clear. It says, if one who hits an animal will pay for it, and one who hits a person will die. Meaning the the distinction that is being that the Rebchia is asking Rava based on this limud of the Tadadabra isn't relevant. Why isn't it relevant? Because the verse itself already distinguishes, you know, introduces this distinction between payment and death, not because of Shabbat, because of who the recipient of the of the damage of the harm is. Echadami, the Gemara says. You know, what are the circumstances that this verse is going to be talking about? If they didn't give any warning, right? You have to have witnesses and warning for the person who does the striking of a person to die. So we have to establish that there's a whole backdrop that this verse doesn't mention in these couple of words, right? Because without that backdrop, again, witnesses, warning, and so on, to establish that he's doing this amazing with intent, Intent to harm and so on. Otherwise, the person, uh, the the one who harms the person, is also not put to death. Ela pshita da atrube ve'iba shabbat And likewise, so the, so first of all, the the gemara here concludes no. So clearly, it must be a case where they did give warning and witnesses and everything like that, because otherwise, it, it only phrases it here for warning. But the point is that otherwise, he would not. 
there he wouldn't be put to death, right? You can't put someone to death if they haven't been appropriately warned. So therefore, it must be talking about a case where he was appropriately warned because that's the conclusion of the verse, right? It says the one who does this will be put to death. So then the verse says, well, what's the context then of the person who oh, of for this animal, right? What if maybe we're talking about Shabbat? How can you say that the person who who harms the animal will simply pay? Because if the if the axe has been ta- has been done on Shabbat, there's a much more grievous punishment coming his way, and so therefore the Gemara concludes So then clearly it has to be that the verse itself, that the pasuk in Vayikra, is talking about a day of chol the same way that you could say, well, clearly there was warning for there to be able to be a, a death sentence exacted. For for maket ish yumat, for maket behemayishalmena, clearly that has to be a case of the weekday. Meaning the the specific details in the verse attest to a whole, you know, a much bigger, uh, a much longer list of details. Let's say that provide us with the circumstances, because otherwise those conclusions, conclusions meaning the punishments, punishments themselves, could not have been exacted. Um, okay, I'm going to stop here, although I do want to recommend the next little passage, which is Rav Papa coming to Abaye and saying, well, according to Rava, right, we've got this whole chidush, right, about about um, the class, about the payment. But I want to, it's it's a little bit farther afield than, our, than what we've been talking about today. Um, and I'm going to leave it to you to pursue on your own in the interest of time and, I guess what, thematic uh, consistency. Yeah, but I, I just want to, I almost thought about reading uh, that part as well, because I like I just like that the word chiddush is used. Just the fact that it's called a chiddush, what Rabba says, is interesting. Like, we use the word chiddush, like we throw it around, right? That it's saying, like, something's innovative. Somebody has an innovative opinion. But sort of the Gemara, you know, or Rabbi calling what he's saying a chiddush is not something that we often see in the pages of the Gemara itself. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. And I think that his what he's talking about in terms of the penalties that get paid is the whole point is that it is, you know, new and exciting. Exciting meaning anytime you've got some new derivation or explanation, it's going to be, you know, in that way, new and exciting is the way they talk about chidush. Um, I do think, however, that the discussion is a little bit farther afield than we can delve today. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day, where it gets reviews on all major podcasts. Thank you to Rabbi Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.